0: Nothing speaks more clearly to the shocking breast cancer disparities than the fact that black women are less likely than white women to get breast cancer and yet have a higher breast cancer death rate. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Picker. And we'll be discussing this disparity with Dr. Fumi Olopade, the Walter Palmer Distinguished Service Professor of Medicine and Genetics, the Associate Dean of Global Health, and the Director for Clinical Cancer Genetics and Global Health, at the University of Chicago School of Medicine. Thank you, doctor, for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: What are the issues that would explain this? Is this just biology?
1: Well, you know, lately we have come to understand that biology is not determinist, that there could be a profit storm that actually gets biology genetics to collide with the social factors that sometimes we ignore in health care. I have been practicing in Chicago for the last 27 years and what is very clear is that the way health care is resourced, allocated, accessed in this country has been unequitable. So given the same biology, if you have access to care, your outcome is going to be much, much, much better than if you didn't or it took you a very long time to access quality care. So we've come to the understanding that we need more science to understand the biology because breast cancer is not one disease and we're increasingly getting to the point where we will be able to offer precision medicine that has less side effects, is better targeted and more effective. However, if we can't get it to everyone, then we will have a widening disparity in outcomes.
0: So the Black Women Health Imperative states that Black women are not benefiting from advances in science. Is this what you're suggesting?
1: Absolutely. There has just like the the time stood still. There was a time when there was no disparity in outcomes, and everybody died at the same rate. Then as you develop more effective therapies as we have a better understanding of the genetic basis of cancer you're going to study what you have access to and so one of our work has been to actually increase the diversity of populations that are studied because when you begin to think about genetics you cannot forget the fact that population genetics matter that although we are 99.9% identical that 0.1% difference that we have could make a difference between a woman who has a horrible side effect to a medication versus someone who doesn't. And we haven't been able to pick that up, and we haven't been able to study that phenomenon in diverse populations.
0: Well, you're beginning to discuss this. What are some of the things that genetically make black women different than white women? They're more likely to die from small tumors, we know, and their life expectancy is less. It isn't just societal factors, is it?
1: No. And, you know, our work has been really focused on understanding the genetic basis of the fact that black women are more likely to get breast cancer at a younger age they're more likely to get estrogen receptor-negative breast cancer, and that's not necessarily explained by societal factors. So our working hypothesis is that this combination is really deadly, and that's what threatens a lot of young women who get breast cancer.
0: It isn't only estrogens, though. Your work has described the triple negative effect, and could you allude to that as well?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you look at what the advances that we have had in medicine in general and breast cancer in particular, so Charles Hoggins, who received the Nobel Prize at the University of Chicago was the one who told us that the estrogen receptor is very important in breast cancer and it's actually the first targeted therapy for breast cancer. And so we've developed three or four different ways to Manipulate estrogen signaling in breast cancer. And so if a woman has estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, that biology is very different than if a woman has estrogen receptor negative breast cancer. And so what we found is that estrogen receptor positive breast cancer is what you maybe will be able to get when you go in and have your annual screening mammogram. They grow slowly, at least some proportion of them, and so you're more likely to have a small tumor if that's the type you get. But another woman who is predisposed to having estrogen receptor negative breast cancer can do the same screening as somebody who is predisposed to get estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. And because the growth rate of this estrogen receptor negative cancers can be very fast, They tend to present as interval cancers, and they tend to present in young women who are not even recommended to have any screening until age 40 in the United States and maybe 50 in other countries. So what we customarily do for population screening is tell everybody, wait till you're in your 50s and go get a mammogram. And that's no longer going to work. And it hasn't worked for black women who tend to get breast cancer at a younger age and who tends to get the estrogen receptor negative breast cancer. So that biology is a huge reason why we have had the disparities in outcomes.
0: And you would say the same would be true of progesterone receptors and HER2 receptor?
1: So we just talked about the estrogen receptor. And the progesterone receptor and estrogen receptor sort of work in concert. And uh, in the early 90s, we began to understand HER2, which is an oncogene that actually drives breast cancer proliferation. That used to be the most deadly type of breast cancer. And then we figured out how to treat it. You get Herceptin, and Herceptin turns the most aggressive type of breast cancer into the most curable type of breast cancer because if you hit the target and you hit it hard with chemotherapy, Herceptin, and now we have two or three or four different ways to hit that target now, most women will not die from HER2-positive breast cancer. These women also tend to be younger. We see actually in young Asian women, young African-American women, that they also tend to have a higher rate of or two positive breast cancer. Now, imagine if you live in a city or in a community where you have no access to modern technology to diagnose your breast cancer, and your doctor gives you the wrong treatment for the most aggressive type of breast cancer. Of course, you're going to die from it. So one of the other reasons why there's been such a disparity in outcomes is that The quality of care is not evenly distributed, and access to the best diagnosis is not evenly distributed. So the drugs are there that could make a difference in these women's lives, but there's a mismatch in terms of how the cases are diagnosed and how they are treated.
0: If you're just joining us, I am your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and with me today is Dr. Fumi Olapade. She is a professor of medicine and genetics at the University of Chicago School of Medicine, and we're discussing breast cancer disparities, especially in black women. You know, for a long time, BRCA1 and BRCA2 was something that Ashkenazic Jews talked about, and we thought it was kind of unique to them in particular. But we see that BRCA1 and BRCA2 exist in the black community as well. Could you describe and discuss this for me?
1: That gets me to the third point, which is, so why are we focused on triple negative breast cancer? We've talked about estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and uh, HER2 oncogene. Well, it turned out that in the 90s, when we began to understand the genetic basis of breast cancer and we identified BRCA1 mutations, we found that there were a lot of Ashkenazi Jewish women and their family members who had participated in genetics research and immediately became clear that, in fact, when these women developed breast cancer at a young age or, in fact, at any age, if they had a BRCA1 mutation, they tended to get a tumor that was estrogen receptor negative, progesterone receptor negative, on how 2 negative. And in fact, that was when we had the aha moment and we said, wow, Jewish women with BRCA1 mutation have triple negative breast cancer. How about African-American women who had not been studied? And for that matter, we're now finding Hispanic women who had not been studied. And if you extrapolate to the global community, Lots of women all over the world, in India, in Nigeria, where we're doing our work, who get breast cancer at a young age because they were born with an altered BRCA1 gene. And so we now know that this is not limited to Ashkenazi Jewish women. We talked a lot about Ashkenazi Jewish women initially because they were the ones who were already involved in research, and so we began a major outreach to begin to expand the populations that are tested. And in fact, 20 years after BRCA1 and then BRCA2 were identified, we still have paucity of data on women in other ethnic minority populations. And that's why one of the work that we're doing at the University of Chicago is to really create a global platform where doctors, no matter where they practice, no matter where the race, ethnicity of their patients are, become aware of the possibility that BRCA1 mutation could explain breast cancer in families, could explain breast cancer where, in fact, there's no family history, but it transmitted through the paternal lineage. So the father's side or it's associated with other cancers like ovarian cancer and pancreatic cancer.
0: You know, you just touched on something that a lot of us don't realize, that the BRCA1 gene can come from the male parent, and this certainly complicates the evaluation of patients. And with BRCA1 possibly becoming cheaper and actually even being obtained, say, from saliva, who should be screened? Is this going to complicate or really enhance our investigation?
1: Well, this is the big debate that we have in the field now because, in fact, when we have used family history and early age of onset to pick who to test, we get it maybe 30% of the time. However, when we have done population-based testing or we have just tested based on consecutive cases of women who come through the clinic, we have found that 60% of women who actually test positive for a deleterious mutation in BRCA1 or BRCA2 report no family history. And this is because one, it has an equal chance of getting transmitted through the paternal lineage. Fathers can have BRCA1 mutation and never get breast cancer. They may have prostate cancer or other cancers, but you're not going to see breast cancer or ovarian cancer in such families. We also know that sometimes the family structure is truncated. People don't have a lot of women in their families. They mostly have men. Well, you suddenly see a young woman or any woman with ovarian cancer and you say, well, let's test them because now we're testing everybody with ovarian cancer, and bingo, has a BRCA1 mutation. So Mary Claire King won the car award last year, and because she's done a lot of work among Ashkenazi Jews, and remember, because the genetics in Ashkenazi Jews is much, much easier to do, it's been the first one that we've tackled. And when you talk about African populations or African American, they have the most diverse genome and it's a lot more challenging to figure things out. So there's been the call that maybe every woman at age 30 should just go and have a blood test and find out whether they have a brca one or BRC2 mutation and whether they have a risk for breast, uh, early onset breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And there are lots of people who have concerns about what would that do and it's really because doctors and a lot of doctors who are practicing don't know the advances that actually has allowed us to be able to give women options of what they should do. Now we know that not everybody should be having breast and ovaries removed willy-nilly, that immediately you have, you know you are you have a mutation, then have everything off. We actually know that there's some things you can do at different decades of life. We have followed many young women who were born with this mutation, but never get cancer. And there's certainly many older women in Israel who are walking around with a mutation who never got cancer. So the fact that the penetrance is not 100% means that we have to be careful what we are recommending that these young women do immediately they know that they have a mutation. There could be a lot of psychological distress knowing you have a high probability, but you may never get cancer. So how do you make sure that women get the type of information they need and then act on that information in a way that is logical and is not based out of fear? So that's one concern why people don't want everybody to have access to treatment. On the other hand, there are women who would say, well, if I would have known, I would have done something proactive. And that's sort of what we're finding is that women can take the news. In fact, when they take the news, what they have done is to be able to modify their lifestyle in some instances, get on early screening programs in some instances. And then for those who really feel that they have to have, you know, risk-reducing surgery, work with their doctors to determine the time and how and when they're going to do that. So I think that there's there's some uh, reason to say maybe everyone should go and find out whether they have this mutation, but we have a lot more work to do, and that's why I'm actually agreeing to do this interview so that we can raise the awareness among physicians that there are options, and there are many different ways you can do to manage these women at different decades of life.
0: Well, I really want to thank you for joining us and agreeing to do this interview. Uh, I think we walk away with not only having to be reactive to people who already have the diagnosis, but to begin to be more involved and be proactive in preventing this disease in their relatives and offsprings. One size doesn't fit everybody. Thank you very much for joining me today, doctor.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So to my audience, thank you very much for joining us. This is Dr. Maurice Pickard. And if you've missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download this podcast and many others in this series.